All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast. I am with a special guest today. We have Lauren Polly on the show. Lauren is a certified speech-language pathologist who runs a hospital department, a coach who empowers college students, individuals, and business people, and a gifted speaker and author. Chiefly what she is, is an inspiration, someone who stirs people to be more proactive, find their way, and make the proverbial lemonade out of what we're handed. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Toby. Absolutely. Well, you know, I wanted to just kind of start out by kind of finding out what sort of got you into this path, into this kind of line of work. Well, it's been a, um, a meandering path, I would say. I think so many of us, we, um, we kind of go after targets in our lives really directly. And sometimes the sweetest, sweetest things that come are the ones that take you by surprise. Uh, so my speech therapy career was just kind of more of a pointed target. But I got into yoga, meditation, life coaching, energetic body work, all of kind of alternative modalities really to make myself feel better about me handle the stress of life, be able to handle the stressful hospital job. Um, and what I found along the path is that it just changed my life so dynamically that it felt like a natural extension to be able to offer it to others. And then my award-winning book, The Other Side of Bipolar, was born from that, really my own personal story, but with the target of being able to walk with other people on a similar path to break them through kind of that limitation stance that we're always in, really butting our head up against a wall and really being able to then break free to create a life that you love. Awesome. Yeah. So tell mm -hmm. me, I was going to ask about the book as far as, is it, um, is it kind of per your personal story or, or what, mm -hmm. can you talk, talk a little about the book? No, it's like a mashup basically. So it's kind of a memoir slash self-help book kind of all rolled into one. Uh, when I was going through my mental health journey back at age 14 is when I was diagnosed, uh, I was reading a lot, a lot of books and there were either very cold clinical books that were very boring to read or they were memoirs where I was inspired, but I really didn't have anywhere to go with them. So I wanted to offer kind of the personal touch, but also give people tools that they could actually start applying in their lives. So right. It's kind of a mashup that way. Okay. And <laughs> what, you know, as far as, you know, with the conventional bipolar treatment, what, what uh, do you see or what have you found that sort of differs from what people, either from what people usually think when they hear bipolar or as far as, you know, the treatment side of things? You know, I think there's a lot of misnomers out there with the bipolar label. Uh, there are so many people out there who are actually living their life with it that you would never even know. So I think part of my kind of passion behind this is to take away the stigma. I was locked up in that for a long, 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 long time. Um, beyond that, I think there are more kind of like there's more beneath the eye than the traditional approach takes on where it's not just the chemical imbalance. I know that's kind of what this like um, the psychology in this world really talks about, but there are a lot of people who are hypersensitive to their environment that have learned behaviors that get highly reactive. Uh, and I would say I fell into that category more than the classic model where I was really being kind of bounced off here, there, and everywhere. Anything that popped up in my world, it was like I would immediately get triggered by it. So I think when you have a more holistic perspective, you just don't look at the medicine aspect. You look at like your behavioral approaches, your triggers in society, and more importantly, how to like get yourself whole in your own entirety of being to then be able to live a life that you actually enjoy and you can give back with. Um, otherwise, you kind of fall into that mental health label where you're always a drain on other people. And that's not necessarily the case, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So I'm curious, uh, how does your, uh, I saw you got a master's of uh, communicate, a master's in communication disorders mm -hmm. um, with a focus in speech and language pathology. I was curious, um, does that, how do you see that sort of tying into everything that you do? How do you incorporate that into your work? Well, it's all about communication. And for me, like bigger than that, it's how we relate to others and the world around us. Uh, so it goes right in with the mental health thing because so much of our uh-ohs in life are like bad relationships, poor dynamics, or feeling misunderstood all the time. So being able to kind of like get clear in your ability to self-express, but also receptive to, to kind of build that back and forth with people. That's a huge thing with the mental health angle too. Uh, so a lot of the life coaching that I do in the workshops, that's very heavily focused on how you relate to yourself and then how then you go out and relate to other people in your environment. Uh, and so many of us don't have healthy patterns around that. We quite struggle a bit. So question for you, as far as you mentioned, you know, feeling mis, you know, people feeling misunderstood by other people, is that sort of rooted in a sort of um, kind of inability to, to properly communicate oneself or express oneself? How do you see yeah, that? I think, well, I think it's like an inability to really communicate clearly, like you're saying, but also so many of us go into conversations with our own point of view. And unless you're standing someone who matches your point of view to express yourself, sometimes you get really jumbled. Um, it's like trying to take two puzzle pieces and putting them together and they just do not fit. And what most people do is they go into judgment of themselves, thinking that they're not clear, they can't communicate, there's something wrong with them in relationships. Um, they don't look at the fact that it's a two-way street, it's a co-creation. And it may just be your partner that's not super great, the person you're partnering with. And then beyond that, it's really the discussion on how do you lead the dynamics in your life to actually one of health. And that's a very different conversation. That's more on how you view yourself, feeling good about you, and then being able to kind of like make the demand of other people to step up to that. Interesting. So kind of starting yeah. starting with yourself and not not sort of blaming yourself as much. I mean, th you know, being more focused on yourself, but not blaming yourself when a certain relationship or just social interactions don't work out because yeah. it might be just the other person or just not the vibe being wrong between the two of you. Is that yeah, yeah. correct? Well, like how often, just look for yourself. How often do you make yourself wrong for any kind of communication mishap, relationship breakdown, um, even like the stuff that you want to create where you go out and about trying to create something new in your career and it falls flat. The initial gut reaction, that trigger response is to judge yourself. Whether you've been diagnosed with a mental health issue or whether you're just like normal Joe Schmo, that's kind of our default patterning. Uh, so I think it's really important, first and foremost, to try to take the judgment away from yourself, that there's nothing wrong with you, but there's also nothing wrong with your communication or relationship partner either. And most of us are stuck in that battle. It's like either I'm wrong and I messed up or like they're wrong and they messed up. Uh, when you can come at it from like, no one's wrong here. It's just the way we're not jiving right now. The creation didn't take off. Uh, it just gives you more of a solid footing to then be able to move forward. Right. So kind of viewing it uh, from more of a sort of objective point of view rather than being so kind of caught up in our stories. Yeah. Emotionally uh, charged, you know, right. most of us will do that. Yeah. That's right. just like a massive blind spot too when we do that. Right. Mm -hmm. One of the a very similar thing um, that's been on my mind lately, as far as I'm curious what your take on, you know, when, when you know, you sort of misinterpret, say a social 
cue or social interaction, certain people misinterpret it in either way. So for example, someone could misinterpret uh, something that someone didn't really mean as a compliment to be a compliment. Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, someone could think that someone else was attacking them when it really had nothing to do with them. So I'm curious your take as far as like, what, what does that kind of say about, you know, you as a person, you know, the one who's, who's sort of interpreting what's going on? Mm -hmm. You just have to really be aware that we all see things through our own filters. It's the classic he said, she said scenario. And if you look just like around the world right now with the society that we have, everything is very polarized and it all comes from people's personal filters, their past experience, their reference points, how they view themselves and how they view themselves and how they are like their place in the world. So I think if you get more clear on where your filters are and where you're being a bit biased based on your past, um, past in a good way and also past in a bad way too. Like, oh, well, someone judged me in like fifth grade and here I am, someone whispered about me and before I know it, I'm acting like a fifth grader again. We all get so pulled back by the past and it gets really tricky sometimes to break out of those patterns but you really have to start, that's where the inner work really comes in to be able to go, this is my own bias that I'm functioning from. It's not actually what is. And one amazing tool for this, it's from the system called Access Consciousness. Whatever is true for you makes you feel lighter. And whatever is heavy to you is actually a lie or something that's not true. And sometimes that doesn't match the thinking logical mind. It's more of a gut instinct, intuition that guides you forward. So when you're talking to somebody and it feels like there's an elephant sitting on your chest or the walls are closing in, there's something about that interaction that just isn't quite right. That doesn't mean that there's wrong, wrongness going on to judge, but there may be a filter at play. So that's when you start actually asking more questions and kind of putting on your inspector hat, I like to say, and go investigating. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of a nice segue because I, I kind of wanted to ask you about other, you know, you mentioned the the one um, sort of uh, perspective, I guess, to take. But I'm curious what other sort of tools or techniques that you found really help people to be able to, would you call that kind of self-awareness, kind of growing it's your... All, it's all self-awareness. And like for me, like there's so many conversations right now about self-care. And it's fascinating because most of us think self-care is like a vacation or a yoga class or a massage and all that stuff's amazing. I do all of that. Uh, but truly like the best and most generative self-care you can have is your self-awareness. The more aware you are of you, your triggers, how you actually react around to the people around you in your life, that gives you the ability to really honor and care for you regardless of who crosses your path. Um, so I think that's like, um, I kind of lost your question a little bit, but being able to, yeah, tune yeah. into yourself first and foremost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With I the mean, different techniques. Yeah. The different techniques. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I would, I would think meditation, what, mm -hmm. what else are you a fan of when it comes to kind of tuning yeah. into yourself? So meditation's fantastic. Uh, mindfulness, I, I find, is really helpful because it just gains your present in the moment so you don't get lost in like thinking about the future constantly or beating yourself up against the past. 
Um, I love yoga for that as well. I think anything that gets the body up and active just brings you back to now and not up in your head. Um, and then my favorite technique by far is access consciousness. And those are practical tools that you can use, but they're based in the energy. So they go off of intuition and really truly not looking to the mind or the logic because we get so trapped in the mind either the past or what can possibly be in the future that we lose the sense of right now and what would actually bring us ease. So that one modality has been a huge change for me. Yeah. That's where that light and heavy tool came from. I see. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then tell me, so how does, so you, from the bio that I read, you are running a, a hospital department. Mm -hmm. What is, tell me about that. Is that <laughs> completely separate or is that, Tied it's, all, it's all kind of, it's like separate, but not at the same time. And this is okay. like, I work a lot with highly creative people in my coaching business. And it's so funny because we think that we have to have like one gig and sometimes we bifurcate off where we have a main gig and we've got like a side hustle. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really look at like how it all interweaves to create kind of like a bigger life and different outlets for you to put your creative energy in. So for me, the hospital department is speech therapy. So that's my medical background. So I'm in charge of the department now. I run that. And then my life coaching and workshops, that's, that's going on too. Yeah. So it's separate, but not because it's all dealing with communication and how you interact with the world, you know? Right. Yeah. So what are, what are the chief differences between like, you know, your population of, of patients versus kind of the, I guess, like the peak performance or, or sort of wellness aspect, people just looking for an extra edge? Is it similar techniques or, or what, what? really changes between the two groups? Well, similar techniques. I'd say the perspective of the person showing up is what's different. You know, at the hospital, I work with brain injury, stroke patients. I do a lot of end-of-life care. Um, so they're in crisis mode. They've gone through traumatic events. Their body is super different. They've lost a lot of function. Uh, and then my life coaching practice, I do get people who come in kind of in a big life change. They kind of want to turn the fresh page to their life and create something new and different, but they may not necessarily be in trauma. They're a bit more proactive, which is one of the reasons that drew me towards it, you know, it kind of gave a different angle than always being in the illness, trying to get better. It's like people who are already in wellness and just want to keep going. Um, but it's kind of an interesting mix because I have such a background working with these traumatic events and walking people through a deep, dark time that it's been a beautiful way to be able to kind of play in the coaching business as well. Uh, yeah, I use everything. I use my speech therapy techniques and my coaching and my coaching and my speech therapy. So, Right, right. Yeah. That's super cool. So mm -hmm. I've had one, uh, one previous life coach um, on the show, um, but I'm curious as far as, you know, your, your perspective on, I guess, kind of what maybe first just kind of like a general, what your sort of definition of life coaching is, and then, you know, maybe what, uh, what your sort of goal is as far as, um, is it helping people kind of find the answers within themselves or, or what, what do you view your, your job as? Mm -hmm. So life coaching is different than like a therapist. So therapist is, you know, you're diving into kind of the nitty gritty. Uh, the life coach is more of that. It's a coach, it's a cheerleader. It's someone to hold you accountable and offer a different perspective. 
And then also it's just someone who is there to support whatever goal that you have in mind. So you'll find life coaches who specialize in a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, for me, I just like to help people create. And sometimes that's creating a relationship. I've worked with people going through a divorce who just want to have a healthier dynamic with themselves now that life looks super different. Uh, but I work with a lot of like highly creative folks. So people who are looking at building businesses, entrepreneurs, taking their side hustle and making it more them, I would say. So it just kind of right. depends what people come, come to the table with. So, so what, what do you usually find in your work as far as like the biggest obstacles to, you know, as far as someone wants something, you know, but they're, they're running into these roadblocks. What, what are the common things that, that you see? I see kind of five different things usually. That's kind of what I work on with folks. Number one is that judgment that we topped on because whenever you're in judgment, it is like the killer of all possibilities. So if you are judging something either negatively, like where you are in life, where you've been in life, any of that will hold you back. That's kind of obvious. But we don't really look at the positive judgment either. Like if you're judging something of like, this is the best thing I've ever done, you've just put a cap on where you're going to go. If you're looking at yourself of like, this is what I'm good at, that is all that you're ever going to be good at. The open space of exploration is kind of closed off to you at that point. Um, it's just kind of the way that I've created. Like I've got the mainstream gig, I've got the alternative gig, I've been able to kind of push them together. And um, that's what I like working on people. You don't have to pigeonhole yourself. And that positive judgment will lead to that. It leads to a pigeonhole. So you're looking at creating something different, but can, you can never really get over that hump, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, and then another big thing with that too is the definitions, the roles, the definitions, who are you in life? Who are you to the people in your life? And if you're wanting something new and different, that can be a huge tether because you're like, I'm go only going to go so far because if I go too far, the people in my life won't go with me. And that's a huge one that comes up for people. Let's, let's talk more about that because I'm mm -hmm. curious, you know, as far as if, I mean, certain people I, I take it, you know, are very independent as far as, you know, they want to do what they want to do, um, you know, for their own reasons. But then it seems like, you know, from my experience, there's also a lot of people who, who want to do certain things, especially like career oriented things, because there's a certain other pressure on them, whether that's societal or their parents, mm -hmm. you know, especially people in their, their early 20s, such as I. Um, but I'm curious, you know, how, how do you sort of uh, wrestle with that, you know, sort of wanting something, but then also there being the pressure to go a, a different way? Yeah, you have to really look at like what is for you. And I think you're so right on the money because so many of us, it's like, I want to create that, but I want to create that because... And that's the big stepping stone that because when you do that of like, I want to create that business because you may actually start having a discovery of my mom wants me to, that's what I think will create money for me. That's the thing that will make me loved in this person's eyes. It's really a fascinating exercise. If you want to do that kind of like play as homework, you'll start to come up with all sorts of becauses and reasons and justifications. Truly, when you're choosing for you, when you actually create something that's authentic and like light and easy, it's that because it's something that actually is congruent, vibrationally compatible with where you are and something that you truly desire. Most of us don't do that, though. Most of us don't create what we desire. We go off of society or what other people around us need us to do. 
And that's another big key word. Whenever there's a need of you to do something, that's actually not true choice. That's you creating something based on what other people actually expect or project you to do. So that's kind of an interesting exercise to work with. Where are your becauses hindering you? And then also where are the needs of other people hindering you too? Again, it's that clarity exercise because once you have clarity on that, it's like, okay, but what would I choose if that person wasn't here needing something of me? Would it be the same thing or would it be something different? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what, what pers- I don't know if you can give a percent to it as far as people that come to you saying, you know, you talked about working with a lot of creative people. So say, you know, people wanting to start a business or, or change careers, whatever it is, how often is it when you dig down, is it really under their own volition or versus, you know, kind of what we're talking about, these sort of pressures, they think they should do something. It's a little, it's like a mishmash of it all, (laughs) which is always so fun. It's always fascinating because it's like pulling these little layers back until you actually find like the golden nugget in it. Um, But a lot of times that desire of like, I want to create this, or I want to write a book, or I want to turn my book into a movie. I worked with someone to do that before. Um, It's coming because they desire something different. And a lot of us have that innately. We're like, Either what I have right now isn't doing all that it could for me and I want something different. I want it to change. Or I just know there's more possible and I want to keep growing. I want to actually keep exploring. There's nothing wrong. I just like to push it to the next level. Uh, So there's that kind of innate desire. But what happens is you have that innate desire. You don't know what will fulfill it. So you start filling in the blanks with the things that you see around you or the things that other people say you should. So you see someone who creates a business and you're like, oh, well, that's kind of similar and that's a change. So like, maybe I should do that too, or maybe I should do it the same way. Uh, It's interesting. You pick up information from your environment way more than you think you do. You're influenced way more than you think. Uh, So the work really comes of like taking that open desire and then peeling back those layers of how it shows up for you. Is that something that you're being pressured to? Or is that something that actually would light you up and actually push your growing edges? And sometimes it's a mix of both, you know? Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, you work, I'm assuming, with a lot of very successful people Mm -hmm. um, as far as these, you know, business people, this sort of, you know, life coaching work. And I'm curious maybe like what what sort of traits or or attitudes, mindsets, what have you noticed that you know, these people kind of have in common as far as the ones that, you know, separate, you know, what, what separates them from the pack, if you will. Yeah. Little success makers, so to speak, you know, um, I would definitely say resiliency is huge. The ability to bounce back cannot be underestimated. Uh, I think that's a huge topic in the mental health world. The people who actually bounce back to live like beautiful lives after going through a really hard spot, even my speech therapy patients too, going through a traumatic neurological event, that resiliency of the brain, the resiliency of the spirit, that can't be underestimated. And if you're not going through a hardship, but you're looking to create greater, that resiliency can actually work as a stepping stone for you in that way too. Um, Also like adaptability and flexibility play in. Okay, this is what's been handed to me. I'm not going to hold steady to that branch that breaks in the breeze. I'm actually going to bend with it. Um, for me, I'm super curious during this whole quarantine time, what will come of it, who will again have that resiliency and that adaptability, um, adaptability to be able to actually bounce back 
and to chart a new course. And I think that's kind of the other success maker. People who are that show up in my office anyway, they are open to more possibilities. They know that there's something else that's available and they're willing to do the work to go seek it, you know? Right. Yeah. A question that just came to mind regarding the resiliency. So I I don't know as far as, you know, maybe there's genetic factors, maybe it's psychological, I'm not sure. You know, as far as, you know, say for example, with, with PTSD, we know that, you know, soldiers, you know, they go to war, not everyone comes back with PTSD despite them going through seeing similar, probably similar things. So what, um, I guess my question is like, what sort of builds resiliency versus traumatizes people and breaks people down? No, I think it's a mix of stuff. I do think there are some people who are just naturally, naturally bounce back worthy. You know what I mean? They actually go after it. Uh, I find support from people around them is huge. Uh, The more support you have in your life. And that's kind of why that relationship communication conversation is so vital because if you are wanting to bounce back or wanting to upgrade your life, but you're surrounded by people who don't support that, it's going to be really hard to do. Uh, Also people who don't take the victim mentality, they like own up to it of like, I know I have power over my own life. I know I have the creative control here. Um, I think they're a little bit more want to be able to go, I'm going to keep seeking what's going to help me. And I think that's another thing too, who actually takes the reins to say, I need more support here then I can just find it myself and willing to actually reach out and ask for it. And some people, that's just really hard to do, but the ones who are open to receiving that, that's another thing that will help the resiliency too. And just kind of like PTSD, sometimes people just need different technolo- um, different kind of techniques to really work that through. For me, the energetic stuff really helped unlock more stuff than the mind-based therapy. So there's all sorts of different stuff out there. You just have to keep seeking until you find what works for you, you know? Sure, yeah. sure. I'm curious, like, uh, what would you say as far as, you know, maybe actionable things, you know, say for our listeners, um, you know, as far as building better relationships or just kind of getting more, you know, getting more of the people who you want in your life or as you kind of mentioned, are going to support, you know, your mission and what you're trying to do rather than the people who detract from it. What would you, what would you sort of say as advice? A little exercise to begin with is to look around your life and it can be like a, like a relationship partner who's been there forever. It can also be somebody that you just kind of know or know from a distance, but somebody who makes you feel relaxed, someone who puts you at ease, someone who makes you kind of feel like a little bit more of yourself where you're not in your head all the time. You want to start looking at what the qualities of that is, because it's not going to be like, that's the one person for me. That's where people get stuck in (laughs) kind of chasing a relationship. It's more about what are the qualities of that? Okay. Wow. Good listener. Okay. Wow. Somebody who's very relaxed, doesn't judge me. You're going to start seeing certain kind of, um, qualities pop to the surface and you may see them interweave across the other relationships in your life that you actually like, make note of that, write it down. And then you need to actually ask for more people to show up like that. And you need to seek it out. So many of us, again, lay victim to like, I guess this is my social circle, you know, or like, wow, this is my family. I guess this is what I'm stuck with. Uh, Not necessarily people change all the time. That's what the whole self-development world is all about. Nothing is set in stone, but you have to get clear on what you want 
ask for it, seek it out, and actually start saying no to the people who show up who don't match that. That's kind of the big thing that people aren't willing to do of saying, you know what, you actually don't support me the way I desire, or there's just something that's not right. I'm going to take some space from this relationship for a bit. Right, right. I love that. Is it, do you find that it's usually like, uh, you know, once you've sort of identified maybe, you know, what it is that that you do, uh, you know, what qualities you are looking for, whether that be a partner or friend, family member, whatever, um, is it sort of a, uh, a conscious thing where you're, you're sort of, you ask certain like qualifying questions to sort of figure out whether those people sort of are in alignment with you? Or is it more, do you find sort of a nonverbal just kind of reading other people? I think it's kind of a combo of both, you know, which is so funny where it's kind of like we want to be super practical and have the conversation or we want to be a bit more kind of like magical and innate with it. It's like practical magic to me. And to be able to have the verbal conversation where you need to like renegotiate the way a relationship is right now, like a business partner that you can't really walk away from, a relationship partner, a family member, Uh, but don't underestimate the energetic gut conversations you can have either that's kind of the asking and putting that out there of like, you know what, I'm actually going to choose more for me. I'm going to be kind to me. And that's another thing, those qualities you see that you like in the people around you that make you feel really good. What if you could actually step up to be that for yourself? Naturally, you're going to start repelling away people who don't support that because you're not going to be willing to lay down anymore. It's going to become a non-negotiable for you of like, you know what, that's actually not a way that I desire to be treated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us don't go that far. We don't go like, wow, I'm actually the leader of my life and I'm teaching people how to treat me with every action I take. And the more you lay down, the more you get people who run all over you. So right. it's kind of those negotiating energy conversations, but also the verbal ones too, you know? Right, right. It's so, so interesting. It, it brings to mind a conversation I had with a friend a few weeks ago about, you know, sort of once you sort of start, um, I guess, setting higher standards for, for, you know, people, you know, I guess maybe starting from kind of thinking of yourself in a more positive light, having good self-esteem, it seems that the less you try to actually get other people to like you, the more other people tend to like you when you're just living your own (laughs) path, doing what you want to do, doing what aligns with yourself and not being a people pleaser, not trying to to do what other people want. You know what the secret ingredient with that is? Huh. You've stepped out of needing other people. You've stepped out of actually needing other people to approve, needing to give something to you, like you're lacking something in general. And that's highly attractive. And that's highly attractive to a healthy person who's looking for a really healthy and vibrant relationship. And if you're not really coming at it from like, well, I need you to fulfill this, or you have to match up to that, that's all based in judgment when you're willing to kind of be like, no, this is actually what I desire in life. This is how I'd like to be treated. And these are the qualities I'm looking for. You come out of needing it in other people. You start actually harnessing it in yourself. And that acts like a magnet to other people who are willing to do the same, you know? Right. Um, but it's a fascinating phenomenon. We've all experienced it. We just, we just discount it a lot, which is so fascinating, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, because I'm not sure as far as, Speaking just for myself, whether it's, you know, a combination of things or just, you know, just more life experience, I'm not sure. But what what do you usually find that that sort of helps people? Is it those sort of uh, 
like challenging situations that that really forces people to grow or what how do you how do people sort of cultivate that in their own lives this is a slippery slope because how often like our viewpoint creates our reality you know what i mean like whatever you kind of think is what you're going to get if you see yourself as a victim guess what you draw in a victimizer this is kind of like how the world works uh, the fascinating thing with that is if you have the point of view that the hardship is what makes you guess what you create in your life yeah more hardship so yeah. I think there's kind of interesting undertones to all of that, but that's what most of us do. I, I do see people who bounce back and from going through a challenging situation, they get clearer. They also get that backbone behind them of like, no more. And that non-negotiable thing starts to take place. Uh, but I think we undercut the lightness to, there's nothing wrong. There's not like a hardship I'm going through. I would just like more. And some of us think that we can't ask for more, unless there's something wrong. Like we have to build it in as an excuse to actually keep creating. Uh, so I think that's important to kind of challenge yourself on those baser belief points that you have around that. Right. You, know? you can use everything as a teacher. You can use the hardships and you can also use the lightness as well. Sure. Have you by any chance read uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor mm -mm. Frankl? Oh, it, I'd highly recommend it. It's, it's basically Viktor Frankl. He's a he was a psychologist and a, a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. And the whole book was basically finding meaning and finding purpose in, you know, after going through such an incredibly traumatic experience and seeing other, yeah. you know, people, certain people cave in and very few people actually be able to sort of overcome that. But yeah, that just reminded me of that book. But Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, sort of switching gears a little bit. I'm curious, like, you know, I see, you know, you've got a podcast, you got the book, um, you know, you do the, the coaches, you, do you do online courses too? Mm -hmm. Yep. I do online courses live. And then I also have a lot of products in my shops too, that are kind of self-guided. Um, uh -huh. It's kind of fascinating. Some people really want the personal interaction and some people are like, just give me the information and let me explore by myself for a little bit. Right. Uh, and I think it's really important just to match your learning style and nothing's wrong with that. It's just kind of wherever you need to be met right now, where can you receive it? And then leaving that door open for future. You know. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious because this, I mean, this seems like a, a popular kind of route now as far as, you know, people kind of targeting audiences in very, you know, diverse ways to, to kind of get their, get their message, get their work across. How did you, was it sort of trial and error? Did you use a business coach or how, how did you sort of build up what you currently have? Well, I'm a big fan of coaches, obviously being one, and you'll start to notice a lot of the coaches out there actually have worked with coaches themselves, and that just kind of lets you know the importance of having it. Um, I had a writing coach for my book. I had a business coach for the business development, uh, and then trial and error, and I would say that's another success maker. I know we talked about that earlier, too. If you're unwilling to try, if you're unwilling to fail, if you're unwilling just to like laboratory experiment stuff, you're never going to go anywhere. So being able to kind of like put something out there, see what the response is, see what your response is to that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes you have to tweak it. Um, I've had a lot of things that haven't taken off and I've had some things that like have really taken off. Like my book, it's won multiple awards. I've been on a billboard in Times Square. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's been surprising to me that this beautiful creation that just kind of spilled out as a love letter to other people who may be struggling and 
really wanted to see themselves in the right way, not a wrong way, could take off the way it did. Uh, but there are other things that I've launched where mm -mm, crickets, man, you know, but you can't stop. You just have to right. go, okay, what's next? Right. I like how yeah. you, you sort of practice what you preach in that sentence, right? Yeah, I'm a big believer in that, you know? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk, I want to talk specifically, you know, about the podcast that you do, you know, as far as what, what have you noticed? And this obviously is a, a question that I'm asking for, for a lot of uh, uh, personal reasons since I'm also a podcast <laughs> host, but what have you found um, as far as what, what leads to really great interviews or, you know, what sort of techniques, what, what have you found that makes you really successful at that? I think for the interviewing, it's like you've got a beautiful style in of yourself where you're innately curious. And I think that's huge because if you're not curious about the person who's showing up, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. I've been interviewed by so many people where it was like a job interview, like you had said, of like checking mm -hmm. all the boxes and there was no continuous flow. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people out there really want to feel like they're a part of something. And when we have a conversational environment, it's like people can go with the flow of that conversation also more relaxed so people receive more which is really cool you know yep. um so i found that was really successful i did a podcast where i did it was a live show every week and i had interviews on that my current one i actually don't do interviews it's just 14 minutes of me with mm -hmm. like an inspiration or a lesson or a tool uh, so it was just a different um after three years of doing interviews i just wanted a different format and this one felt so like a curl up in bed, love letter at the end of the night. How was your day? It's kind of that energy. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I'm, I'm curious. So which, which came first as far as the, the book, the podcast, the, the coaching? Mm. Well, I started, um, yeah, speech therapy first. This okay. is where my meandering path came in. Then okay. I started um, doing yoga and meditation for myself. First of all, then I became an instructor. Then I found energetic uh, body work and the life coaching as part of that system. And I started teaching workshops from there. Then I started the podcast, the live radio that I had. Then I started writing my book. Mm -hmm. And then my online programs came off and then this thing off shot over here. It was just kind of, it had I sat down forever ago and said, I'm gonna write a book someday. <laughs> Um, I think that would have been a little bit of a stopping point for me personally. I really like being able to just follow that natural flow and the conversations that you have along the way, the people that you meet, they just kind of open up and you go, oh, I've never thought about doing that, but that's actually something that has that quality again that I'd like my life to be. That's a supportive dynamic, not just a person in my life, but actually a creation too. And yeah, that's, that's worth exploring at least, you know? Sure. Yeah. Did the, I'm just curious if the podcasts, like the, the interviews that you did, did that sort of learning from all those different people, having all those interactions, did that sort of uh, play a role in the book or is mm -hmm. the book more so your own, you were saying it's kind of a mis, uh, a mishmash mm -hmm. of both your personal stories along with some other mm -hmm. stuff, right? Well, everything's a teacher to me. And I think that's another one of those success makers. If you're willing to have beginner eyes all the time and go, you're talking about something that I know a lot about, but I can still learn something different mm -hmm. and I can still apply it in a deeper way. Uh, and so I really approach everything like that, all of my interviews. So everything kind of comes in. And when you are writing something or developing a product that has a long shelf life, it's not like 
here's a call and we're done. It's like, here's a book that's now in the Congress of libraries. You know what I mean? That's going to be there forever. Uh, being able to kind of interweave all perspectives, you really kind of take a bigger picture approach and that's where the longevity comes from. So I think that's huge. The more you do, even the conversations I have walking down the street, it's amazing the information that I get just having the casual interactions with people. Uh, so all of that's really been highly influenced in my work. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So I know we're, uh, we're kind of coming up to the end of the show, but the last, uh, the last question I kind of wanted to ask is what, you know, say you have uh, someone who uh, wants to do something entrepreneurial and, you know, they have an idea. What advice would you give that person? What advice, kind of general advice as far as, you know, kind of going back again to, you know, what is going to make their business successful or make them, you know, successful? So you have an idea, which is beautiful. Every morning when you wake up, you ask it questions. Sounds super strange, but what you're doing is you're allowing that creation to actually have its own life force. You're making space for it in your life to receive it, making time for it, giving it some energy with your creative focus, and then being able to keep your eyes wide open for what's required. So if you wake up in the morning and say, I have an idea for this business and you get lost in your head, a lot of times you're going to run into brick walls. If you wake up in the morning and you're like, hey, what action do I need to take today with you? you may be really surprised at what comes up because sometimes that's the opening question that has you getting pulled to a conversation with someone you normally wouldn't. And again, everything's the teacher. Before you know it, you have information. You may finally get that backbone of like, okay, wow, a website is really something that's required here. You're gonna get going on that. It puts you into action, not just kind of looking at the idea like, aren't you pretty? It'd be nice mm -hmm. someday, what if kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you actually start to get the wheels moving and you create that ever-present space in your world of like, I have the idea, but if none of us, most of us do that, we don't actually talk to that creation. We don't make space for it. It just has this much room in your world over here. It can never be as big as you desire it to be, you know? You got to make that creative space and that conversational space for it to start to come. Right. There's just this uh, this hip hop quote uh, or lyric that comes to mind that just reminds me exactly of that, which is easy to dream a dream, although it's harder to live it. Mm -hmm. I love, that's always stuck with me. You know, that's so good. Have, have all of these amazing ideas, but it's like who can yeah. actually put it into action? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And living it, I think, is like living. the big thing with that, right? Because again, that's like the energy quality of it. That's like the relationship thing. I'm like, no, I'd actually like that to be like a bigger breath of my life. And that's going to, again, make it like a priority for you to start taking action and carving out the space for it. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome, Lauren. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, and I'm curious, you know, for listeners who, who did as well, um, where would you direct them to if they want to find out more about your work, your book, um, your, your classes? Where would, you, where would you direct them to? Everything's up on my website, laurenpolly.com. My podcast is called the Lighten Up Podcast. All the links are up there. And then there's videos and all sorts of, all sorts of free resources and then some deeper stuff if you're ready to take the dive, you know? Awesome. Great. And if you guys enjoyed the show, um, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're Roscoe's Wetsuit. Um, you can also listen to audio versions of the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, along with iHeartRadio. Um, so go ahead and check us out whichever way you want to do. 
All right, Lauren, again, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you. All right.